This series we started uh, just three weeks ago, and this is the, the third week and really the final week, and it's really the application of everything we've said. If you were here the last two weeks when we looked at the passage in the book of Acts, the, the mission of the church, which hasn't changed, what Jesus gave the early church is the same mission that we have to take the message of the gospel um, through our lives to those around us beginning here where we live, where our church is, here in this part of the world, and moving outward. But what we want to talk about, or what I want to sort of end this with, is uh, the, the title of today's message is the title of the series, which is Reach One. What does it actually look like? And I said to you, I wanted to give you a practical and practicable way um, that is not a technique, it's not some, you know, simple uh, steps, uh, but something that's integrated into your faith, a way that you and I, in everyday life, the mission fields that we're all sent to every single day, where we live and work and hang out, um, to share our faith with people who are far from God. So that's what we want to talk about in the few minutes I have. You have a copy of the New Testament, or the Bible, I should say, with you in the New Testament. I'm going to look at just a single passage today, short passage from the letter to the Colossian church kind of right in the middle of your New Testament after the Gospels, Romans, Acts, a couple short letters, the letter of, uh, to the church at uh, Colossae or Colossians chapter 4, reading verses 2 through 6. Colossians 4, Paul's letter to this church, this congregation, chapters, uh, verses two, chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. He says these words, this encouragement to this congregation. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. These are Paul's instructions. He's showing a little bit of his own story, but he's really challenging this congregation, right? Yes, pray for me, but he says, listen, you be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. This isn't just my work. It's not just the apostles' work. As I said last week, the great expansion of the church in the book of Acts anyway, from, from Jerusalem to Rome, the, 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 at least the civilized world as we know it, was not done. The apostles, these people we called apostles, never left Jerusalem, right? They never left, you know, Penfield, New York. It was a very small place, and that's where they were called to live out their lives and their ministry. The, the people, the men and the women, young and old from all different backgrounds that started the church over the course of 30 years and tens of thousands of people were committed uh, people from congregations like this one uh, all across the uh, Middle East and Europe, and that's what we see in the book of Acts. Now, the Apostle Paul, my, my first point, what is, the, what is the, uh, the, the advice, what is the challenge that this passage gives us? How do I have a practicable and practical way to share my faith? The first one is to pray for open doors, right? Devote yourself to prayer, right? Devote yourself to prayer. We're talking about the context of sharing your faith. I mean, that, I could stop right there and just have a 15-minute a, a sermon and go home. Do you, do I, 
doesn't say occasionally pray for, right? Do, are you devoted, it's a pretty, pretty uh, weighty word, to praying for people, not, you know, some people on a television commercial, not some, you know, brochure photograph, the people in your life, right, on your street or in your doctor's office, in your 12th grade classroom, whatever the case may be, right? Nobody has to go anywhere to interact with people who don't know uh, the gospel, right? Are you devoted to prayer? But he says this. He uses this, this an image, this metaphor, I guess, verse 3, of an open door. And if you look carefully in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, he actually uses this idea four different times, talking both about opening, essentially praying that God would open the, the hearts and the minds, and even in two cases in the book of Acts, he talks about communities. He's in the, the, the place in two different big communities, like, you know, Penfield, or in this case, Ephesus in a city. He says, I'm praying that God would open a door to this community for me. Am I doing that? Are you doing that? And it tells us something. I mean, if the Apostle Paul the guy who wrote a third of the New Testament, if he needed to pray for guidance, if he needed to pray for assistance that God, the Spirit of God, would work with him, boy, I need to pray for that. You need to pray for that. He needed to pray for that. Certainly we do. And it also tells us something, that the Apostle Paul, this isn't a one-off. If you look carefully at his, the record of his life, the New Testament uh, uh, has a, a lot to say. It follows his life. His, his ministry of some 30 years, you can see that Paul continually prayed for open doors of opportunity. And it tells us something foundational about the work of the gospel uh, in all uh, our lives, and that is this, that God is already active in the lives of the people around you uh, before you ever get out of bed right? Paul, that's what Paul's saying. God is already active. In fact, there's a theme verse. I think it's out there on, on, uh, on, on one of the walls in the main lobby that we chose last year as we launched this big idea of the REACH initiative. Let me just read it to you. Acts verses 17, chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. Foundational, you might say, worldview verse. From one man, he made all the nations, speaking, God, speaking of God here, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. It's a fancy way of saying, listen, God understands. He's sovereign. He knew who you are. He knows who I am. He knew when he was going to plant you in the world history, right? And he knew where he was going to plant you in world history. And you might never have thought of that, and I may never have thought of that, but he did. That's what he's saying. God did this. There's a reason behind your life. There's a reason behind my life. There's a reason I was born in Rochester, New York. There's a reason I went to the high school that I went to. There's a reason I live in the neighborhood I live in. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. That's you, me, that's everybody. Though he is not very far from every one of us, right? So I need to wake up one of those foundational Yes, I, I don't know what's going on in the, in, the, in the lives of the people in my neighborhood. I don't know what's going on in the lives of the people in, in, in your office or in your high school. But I know this, God is 
already there, right? What a difference that would make if I understood this, that God, the presence of Almighty God, no, I can't see him. No, I don't always feel him. No, it doesn't always make sense when I look at the world and go, where is God? But if you're a Bible believer, if you believe God's word, it says this, God in his presence, in the presence of his Holy Spirit, he's transcendent, right? It means he's everywhere present. He is everywhere present, and he is not very far. He's a breath away from every single person on this planet, not just the people, you know, in the far off corners of the closed parts of, you know, the world and the difficult places of the world, but in your doctor's office, in your high school, in your neighborhood. Think of how different it would be if you woke up every single morning, kind of what I'm encouraging you to do, with an affirmation before your feet even hit the ground and say, listen, God is here. In the, heart, in the places that I don't like to go, maybe it's your office, maybe it's your, where you hang out, it's your gym, whatever the case may be, God is already there. He's not asking you to do something. He's asking you to join him in doing something with the people that are in your life. Now, what you don't know is this. What we know, what I believe, it's a conviction, it's, a, it's an attitude of faith, is that God is there. Here's what I don't know, right? Whether it's my neighbors or, or, or the people I play tennis with or, what, or, or the people I hang out with. What I don't know is what's going on in their hearts, right? We think we do sometimes. We hardly even know what's going on in our own heart half the time, right? How do I, do I know? How do I know of these people that I'm around or that you're around that God is, where God is working in their heart? Are they close to the things of God? Is there, are they open to the things of God? Or are they very, very close, very, very indifferent? See, this is what I don't know. And what Paul is praying for and does throughout the New Testament is say, God, I hope that you show up today in the marketplace. I hope you show up today in the, in where, I'm gonna, where you're sending me in this city, in this town. No, he says, I know that you're there, but I'm praying for open doors. Give me some guidance. Give me some wisdom. Help me to see what I can't see that is the hearts and the minds of people. I want to go towards those who are open uh, that, 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 that you are already working on. That's what he's praying for, right? And this is what it means, by the way, to be filled with the Spirit, right? It's such a, we talked about this a little bit last week, or to walk in line with the Spirit. It's not about some supernatural demonstration. It's not about some, you know, some riddle or some, you know, sort of, a, a, you know, a, a, great um, demonstration. It's about listening to God. It's about hearing God. Romans 8 says, our, his spirit speaks with our spirit and, and, and guides us and leads us. That's what it is. That's what Paul is praying for. He's praying for guidance and direction. I said to, I've said this a few times in my, uh, the last month or two, I just uh, moved into a new neighborhood. Right here, I'm a couple miles from here. And, you know, like you, I'm getting to know my neighbors, you know, and, uh, 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 and uh, I've w walked across the street, talked to a couple, two have come to me and I've got to know them and, and, and uh, I hope this doesn't sound creepy, but, you know, I, I wrote their names down just on a little envelope, you know, I just wanted their first names. I just want to remember who they were, four sets of people and, and, and uh, not every day, but I, I'm just praying for them, right? Now, I don't know them that well. Uh, my guess after being there six weeks, I, 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 the cars are all quiet on Sunday morning. I don't know, I don't, I don't know that they're church going folks. I don't know that. But I'm praying for them. And, uh, but I don't know where any of them are. I don't know if God is working. I, I believe God is there, but is he working? 
Is anybody open? And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was just uh, working in my lawn, uh, backyard with my brother was over, and I started talking to my neighbor. She really engaged us. She was watering her lawn, and we're talking to her, and it came up she's, that, that, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, and uh, so far that hasn't come up with my other three neighbors. You know, that's either usually really good or bad. But she, she, we, she, I, I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor. And, 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 and she started to ask questions. You know, it wasn't a turnoff to her. You know, it was like, well, do you do this? And do you do, and, and do, you, do, you do things at your house? And she said, do you have prayer groups at your house? And I just, you know, kind of answered. And, 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 and we went on talking about other things. And about an hour later, we were inside. My brother, who this particular brother, who, by the way, is not a church-going guy, okay? Not a church-going guy, not a Bible-reading guy as far as I know. He said, hey, listen. Mention her name. The lady next door, he goes, I think she wants to come to your church, you know? <laughs> I think you need to follow up with her, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, if I don't get that, right, you know, what, are you paying attention? Am I paying attention? Now, let me tell you something. I didn't have to um, write down these people's names, okay? Not a big effort. I didn't have to pray for them. And later, uh, uh, not very long ago, a week or so ago, I went over uh, to this one neighbor's house, brought uh, back um, a ladder that she let me, said thank you. And uh, we were talking, and, and, and she invited me in, introduced me to some other members of her family, and sat down and had a, had a conversation. And I, we, I wasn't talking about faith, we were just talking, but she self-disclosed, you know, that she hadn't, basically had not been in church in her entire adult life for this or that reason, right? Let me tell you something. I didn't have to pray. I didn't have to say yes to that visit. But I'm so glad that I did. And so will you be glad you did. If you'll just simply pay attention to the people that are in your life and pray, right? There's, who knows where the people are, right? Every time you see Jesus speak and Paul says, some received, some were open, and some rejected. Only God knows the heart. But if you're open to pray, if I'm open to pray, God will guide you. He will guide me. And as you move closer to those people, you're going to move closer to being used by God in an amazing way. So number one, you need to pray for open doors. Very simple. You do it every day. Second, Pete in this passage tells us, you need to prepare a clear message, right? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, I'm reading verse three, so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray, verse four, that I might proclaim it clearly, right? Now, immediately when I read that, I think, oh, well, what this means is I need to be a really good student of the Bible. I need to know it. I need to know where these verses are. I need to be able to proclaim it clearly. I don't want to start talking about something and quoting a verse and misquoting it and go, gee, I don't know where that is, right? And I would say this to you, to know your Bible when you're sharing your faith is not, it's good advice. I want to encourage you to do that. And I hope that you and I hope that I am eager to know more the promises of God from Scripture, where those promises, particularly about God's grace and his love, where they are, because I think it's going to be very helpful. But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about 
primarily here when it comes to proclaiming it clearly because he explains it in the next couple verses, right? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer everyone. What Paul is saying is is this. It's not simply the truth you know that's important. It's the truth that you live, right? It's that, and it's not that you need to live a morally perfect life. It's that you can live an honest one because look how the passage ends. Be always ready so that you may know how to answer everyone, right? The implication of this passage is not that I'm coming to you, friend or neighbor. I'm coming to you, you know, uh, sports team friend, or I'm coming to you guys I play basketball. I'm not coming to you answering questions that you've never asked. Isn't that how people often talk about, you know, Christians? You know, uh, as soon as someone says they're a Christian, they say, no, thank you. And, and, and people have these bad images because the idea is that many people Many of us, often when we talk about sharing our faith, we're giving answers to questions that people aren't even asking, which implies that we don't really have a relationship. We're not really talking to them. We're talking at them, right? Talking at them. What it means to prepare a clear message, really, is to know your, uh, uh, your own salvation story, to know your faith, to, and to live your faith and to be able to answer it when people talk to you about it. Listen, the, the, I'm sure he uses on purpose in verse 6 the word conversation. Right? It implies relationship. Uh, it, 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 it's not about telling people what to do or what to believe. You know, I, I'm sure you've all seen these, and I'm not, uh, don't mean to be demeaning, you know, people on street corners with sandwich boards, you know, if you know what that means, you know, turn or burn, right? Turn or burn is not a conversation, right? In fact, beyond that, I'm not even sure in our culture today people would even know what that means, you know, other than, you know, tanning advice, right? I mean, what does turn or burn mean? It's about having a relationship with people. Now, you would say, people say to me when I've had this conversation, well, listen, Jesus was very no-nonsense. Jesus was very clear. Jesus said to people, listen, you generation of vipers, and, and, and you had better repent. But let me tell you something. Jesus' toughest language was not for outsiders. He was talking to church people. Jesus' toughest language, his harshest language, was not talking to people who had no background in the faith, people that didn't know the gospel. It's people that knew the Bible and knew it, but were very self-righteous in their own hearts, right? So maybe that some of us need that. But when we're talking about outsiders, it's about relations. It's not about telling people what to do or what to believe. It's about giving thoughtful answers to their questions, but let me say something. You might say, well, listen, Rob, I really appreciate that, but the people that I work with aren't asking me any questions about my life or my faith. The people that I play basketball with, they're not asking me any questions about my life or my faith. The people that I, you know, my, my employers, my friends, my neighbors aren't asking me any questions. Well, then here's the application for your message. Go no further than right here. They're not asking you any questions because perhaps they don't know you at all, Right? You haven't given them an opportunity to know you. You've basically, I've basically lived in some kind of, you know, little, little bubble where I hang out with people who think like I do, who, who have a point of view like I do, and I'm not really 
having conversations with outsiders at all, right? And that's, that, that, that happens to a lot of us uh, Christians as time goes on. So the application for you is just point one. Pray for open doors, right? Pray for open doors. Then he goes on to say, let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt, right? Let your conversation, there's a ton of, of, of advice or counsel in that one verse. Paul's being very economical in his writing. You could say he's saying grace and truth. He's also saying, listen, you know, what does it mean to be, to be seasoned with salt? Sometimes we think too hard about these things. It's not that clever, you know, he's saying, you need to, you need to be honest. It's what I said. It's not about living a morally perfect life. Who wants to be, who's going to be attracted to someone who lives a morally perfect life? Not really, it's not someone you really want to be around because it's very hard, it's a very high standard. There's only one person that ever lived that. It's Jesus, by the way. But he was also full of grace. What people are looking for in you and me is not a morally perfect life. We have to strive for that. But they're looking for an honest life. And an honest life says it's full of grace, but it's also seasoned with salt. It means, you know what, I, I'm, gonna I'm gonna say to you, maybe if I get to know my neighbor a little better, I'm gonna say, listen, you know, life is difficult. Life is challenging, mine too. And I have failed in these areas, but God has made up a difference in my life. You know, I, I'm from this town, some of you know this, and I still... Um, I see people, I reacquaint myself with people who I knew when I was kids. And I still have these friends. I uh, just talked to one recently. And, they, and I've known them since I was in high school. And now they, 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 they call me Pastor Rob, you know. And I, after a while, I want to say, listen, dude, you know, relax. You know, you, you, I'm the same guy you knew 30 years ago. I don't have a halo. You know, they're like, do you live at the church? No, I live at the church. I live in a house just like you do. Let me tell you something. The only difference between the person you knew 30 years ago and today is the grace of Almighty God. It's what God has done for me. That, that I'm, I, I'm still a sinner. I'm still a person in, in, in process. But in, the, in my sin, in my brokenness, God's grace has come into my life, Right? This is preparing a message. I, I had the opportunity to hang out with um, some people from this church. Uh, in, they're in a small group here at our church, and, and they were just talking about one of the recent sermons. At the, and the question that came up in this small group, it, maybe you were in one of these last couple of weeks, was what has God done in your life? What has Jesus done in your life? And what is he doing in your life? What has God done in your life and what is he doing in your life? And one of the people that at this gathering, this handful of people, small group gathering, said, um, you know, listen, uh, uh, I'm, this is a really good question and I'm kind of frustrated about this because when I think of people asking me this question, I, I automatically jump to generalities and abstractions. You know, God is, uh, um, you know, he's, he's doing great things in my life or, you know, he's, uh, he's blessing my life or life is challenging. And she said, I'm sick and tired of, talk, of answering that question with abstracts and generalities. And I thought to myself, what is God really doing in my life? And so I'm at this small group and I said, so I want to know something, Rob. What's God doing in your life, right? And so all these people knew each other well. And I'm sort of stumbling through my answer, right? What God is doing in my life. And then someone else in the group, one of these game changers, 
uh, all these were close friends, this woman said, let me tell you something. Let me, can I tell you what God's doing in my life? Okay, sure. And she said, God is, um, is repairing my marriage. And she said, that, that, was, that was put everybody quiet. And she said, uh, 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 two years ago, her husband was right in the same room, two years ago, um, my marriage, our marriage, was this far from um, coming apart. And as a matter of fact, that was the second time it's happened in the course of our many years of marriage. Wow. But she said, let me tell you what God's doing. Over the last two years, the grace of God, a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness, and some really good people have come into our lives. And today, September 2017, we are at one of the best places we've ever been. We're not perfect in our marriage. That's what God is doing in my life. Let me tell you something. Not only did that capture the imagination of everyone in the room, but it was almost like there was a whole new permission to talk in that room because what this person was saying was not, listen, my life isn't morally perfect, but I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to season it with grace, or I'm going I'm to be full of grace, but I'm also going to season it with salt. That's what people are looking for. What people are looking for are not answers to questions. They're looking for the grace of God at work in your life, but that is never going to be revealed. If you don't know your own testimony, live your own testimony, and you are not able at a, at a, at a, at a, at a moment, right, to not just talk about what God has done, I, I, that's where it starts. I want to be able to say to people, and I will listen. For me, it was originally 30-some years ago, I experienced the true forgiveness of sin for nothing that I had done, and it, it was profound and is profound, right? That is certainly part of the gospel. But beyond experiencing the forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future, God is still doing a work in my life today. And what people are really looking for is the grace of God because what they're hungering for is not answers, but it's God's grace. And the first place they're going to see it is in your life if you're willing to show them what's going on in your life. You need to prepare a clear message. To prepare a clear message means to know your salvation and to live out your salvation what God has done and what he is doing in your life. Tell the truth about, when you tell the truth about yourself in such a way, this is what I think it means to um, be full of grace and seasoned with salt. This is what my, this, my friend was doing this night. To tell the truth about yourself such that it magnifies the grace of God in your life, right? It's not about you. It's not about your great achievements. It's let me tell you what God's doing in my life. He's rebuilding my marriage. He's dismantling my pride. He's unearthing my selfishness. He's chipped away at my, my long-standing st uh, envy for this or that. He is making me, gi giving me love for some people that I've had a hard time loving for the... That's what God's doing in my life. And when you and I start talking that way, having a relationship with that, well, let me tell you something. People are going to be interested because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for access to God's grace 
And they need to find it first and foremost in your life. And Paul said, listen, pray that I might proclaim it clearly. What does that mean? That I'm wise in the way that I act towards outsiders. That my conversation is full of grace. I'm not pointing to me, I'm pointing to God's grace. But it's seasoned with salt. It's honest. It's true. Uh, It's genuine. And lastly, my advice in this passage. One, pray for open doors. Two, Prepare a clear message. Know and live your salvation story. And three, invite your friends, right? Invite your friends. Make the most of every opportunity. The underlying truth of this passage, okay, you have to check yourself, is that there is a desire to engage other people around you with the message of God's love. Now, some of you may not have that. You need to work on it. You need to pray for it. You need to pray. For, for a desire. Maybe there's, maybe that. Pray for a desire. Pray for a softening of your heart. Pray for a greater appreciation of what God has done for you. That's where it begins. But there's an underlying conviction. Even if you'd say, I'm horrible at it, Rob. The point is, you start with an underlying desire. Say, listen, my, you know, whether it's members of your family or the people that live around you or the people you work with, there's an underlying desire to say, I want to see more people come to personal faith in Jesus, to feel and experience and to know the grace of God for the very first time in their lives, right? Do you want to know that? Do I, is that, is that, that that's what underlies this, uh, this idea. And it's, it, it, we're not, and it's not about selling people something. It's not about people joining your team. Here's the idea. It's, you have a cure, right? You have a cure for something. Now, it's not cancer, Right? But I would say to you, it's something every bit as, as serious as cancer. It's the cure to the weight of sin, right? You know what the weight, what it's like to, to live in under the weight of your own sin? Many of you remember that, know that. It's, it, the, the people around you don't care what kind of car they drive, what kind of life they live. They're living under the weight of their sin and the, and the alienation and separation from God. You and I have the cure. And the cure is the Lord Jesus Christ. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that love that he has, it's as available to the people in your life, it's as available to the people in my life as it was available to you. And many of them just don't know it. Right? But before they're going to see it in here, they need to see it in you. Let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt. The REACH initiative, fancy just words of re-communicating this, is really a, a lifestyle. And it's not about going somewhere new. It's about going somewhere familiar in a new way, right? Your mission field, you know, it's already been defined, right? Where do you work? What do you do between, uh, what do you do for your 40 or 50 or 60, right? That's a mission field. Where do you live? That's a mission field. Where do you play hoops? That's a mission field, right? It's all, you don't have to go anywhere. But how many of us are going through these places that God has placed us and we're not having any real conversations? We're not sharing our lives with anybody. And because we're not sharing our lives with anybody, we're not having opportunities to say, listen, let me tell you what God is doing in my life. 
Let me tell you that two years ago, my marriage was this close to falling apart. But this is what God has done, right? Wow, now you have my attention. Tell me more about God's grace in your life. We need to invite our friends into start with a conversation or maybe over for dinner or over for a glass of wine. Is that okay, Dave? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, okay? And begin to let people get to know who you are and what God is doing in your life. And one thing leads to another. And as you pray for open doors, as you prepare your own message, let me tell you something. God is going to reveal to you and God is going to reveal to me who he's working with. And it's gonna be ultimately a very easy process if you're committed to it. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray this morning. And let me say this too. We're gonna talk a lot more about Reach One as we go forward, but in the back, in your bulletin, uh, Pete mentioned it. Just a little simple reminder if you want to tear this out. has these three points on it. It's not, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing uh, uh, magical, of course, about this, but it's a, it may be a helpful way for you to think about it. And I'd say, you know, where's God challenging you today? Right? Maybe some of you are very good at praying, but you're not so good at uh, processing your own life. You're not so good at answering the question, where is God working in my life today, right? That's something you need to be thinking about because God's going to match your growth for today, this moment, with someone else's point of need. And then ultimately, who's God calling you to invite? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for every person in this room, Lord. Every, there's one thing true about every Christian in this room, and that is that some, at some point, in their past, some mom, some dad, some neighbor, some, um, you know, friend uh, took a chance to share a little bit about their faith, to share a little bit about their life, to invest in them so that, in us, so that they, so that we might have our eyes opened to the grace of God. We might have our hearts opened to the truth of of God's love and forgiveness and that we might accept the message of the gospel for ourselves. Lord, help us to um, be reminded of that great truth, that you have given us an indescribable gift in Christ. To know the forgiveness of sins what else could compare to something that, um, that big? And Lord, to think that there are people in my street, in this town, in this world, tons of them who do not know this truth, who are completely ignorant, don't know it's even there, uh, Lord. Um, help us burden our hearts Draw us closer to you. Help us, Lord, to be a congregation that is on mission with you simply to reach one uh, before us wherever you've called us. And I just pray for all of us here this morning. God, use us. Help us to see our communities differently. Help us to see our, 
our, our friends differently. Help us to see our, um, the people we work with and, and go to school with differently. Help us to see them the way you do, not as clients, not as uh, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, members, but to see them as people that you love, people that are spiritually lost and hungry and thirsty uh, for the truth that we have. And help us, Lord, to be more courageous and loving and sharing it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.